If you enjoy this episode today, please take a moment to leave us a five-star rating and review. Let me know what you enjoy most about listening to this podcast or what your biggest takeaway is from listening to this episode today. When you take a second to leave me a rating or review, it really does help this show out a ton and I really, really do appreciate your support. So thank you so much if you've already done this. You are amazing. Welcome to the More Than Just a Type podcast, a place where we explore what it takes to live your best life. I'm your host, Taja Cato, expert in type 1 diabetes and fat loss, entrepreneur, and lover of all things fitness and personal development. Each week, we'll bring you a tangible tool, tip, or insight that'll inspire you and empower you to take action, achieve your goals, and live your best life. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the More Than Just a Type podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. I am so excited about this conversation with my boy, Ben. And if you don't know Ben, Ben is a registered dietitian, among many other things. And he teaches you how to take total control of your blood sugars and eat the foods that you love and become your strongest self. One of the things that really stood out to me from this conversation today is that even living with type 1 diabetes, you can eat anything that you want. There are no limitations, even when it comes to food. And I love that Ben is helping us do just that. This is such a refreshing conversation because it's not just Ben's passion when it comes to really helping people living with type 1 diabetes live a free life when it comes to food and also achieve better blood sugars, but he is so genuine. He's funny. He's down to earth. He's fun. I don't know if I already said that, but he's such a good guy and he is so knowledgeable Ben has been living with type 1 diabetes for quite some time, and on this episode today, we talk about all things managing blood sugars and eating the foods that you love and just living a free life with diabetes and achieving your goals and achieving your better blood sugar goals and all of the things in between. Ben has such a passion for helping other people, and he's on his journey to helping a million people living with type 1 diabetes. And I am, I'm just so proud of him. And also I feel so lucky to be, to be introducing him to you because he is such a, such a down to earth person who really is here on this planet to, to help us achieve our goals and to live a free life with diabetes and to not worry about being told that we can't do things or that we can't eat things and to worry about what our blood sugars are going to do after eating that slice of pizza. Like all of those little things, he is here to make it so much easier and he does just that and I am so excited for this episode today. If you want to learn more about Ben, you can check him out on Instagram at Man of Zeal, and I will link to his Instagram in the show notes. 
I believe he is on TikTok and he has a YouTube channel as well. I will link to this in the show notes. And if you want to learn more about how you can work with Ben and achieve your diabetes goals this year, then I will also link to his website in the show notes of this episode, but just go to yourdiabetesinsider.com. All right, before further ado, let's go ahead and dive into this episode today. I will see you on the other side. I'm so excited that we're finally catching up and I was thinking about it. I'm like, okay, we talked in 2020, like right when the pandemic started. I remember we had it like we chatted on the phone. But since then, like so much stuff has happened. Like you got engaged, you're getting married like soon, right? Believe it or not, in May. That's wild. That's so wild. Oh my God, that's crazy. And you guys bought a condo. It's, we're, I feel like we're we're becoming adults now. Right? (laughs) I mean, tell me about like the wedding plans. Like what's, where are you getting married? Is it destination or is it Florida? I learned destination weddings tend to be cheaper. Although that has nothing to be with diabetes, nothing to do with diabetes, but they tend to be a little bit cheaper. So we're going to be in, in Greece and have like, have like our immediate, you know, immediate fam and like equivalent of bridesmaids, groomsmen, and that's it. So it'll be teeny. But then as a result, we also then pay a fraction of what we would otherwise pay. And then we're already set up to, you know, honeymoon. So that's kind of cool. That's okay. I'm so jealous because I have, like Greece is on my top places that I want to go. So, but I was looking at flights and it's like $1,300 from here. Well, that's because you're also in coast, you're in Costa Rica though. So that's part of the problem. I mean, you already live in paradise. You don't need to leave paradise to go somewhere. No, I'm just kidding. That's, I think I'm, I'm definitely excited. And then, I mean, we're still trying to figure out a time to get down to see you because now that we learned that the flights are only three something hours, no excuse. Yeah. That's going to be so cool. Have you guys been to Greece before? We went right before COVID. So we went in 2019. Okay. We did like Italy and Greece. It was my first time ever leaving the country. And I'm sure you can imagine the the blood sugar experience was fun because I was on MDI during that whole time. So all that food on MDI was definitely a test, but I was grateful that I actually was fine. And also it was a lot less to pack. Not advocating that someone should switch with their blood sugar management is because of packing, but I'm not going to lie. It was really convenient to just have some insulin pens and nothing else. Did you take a pump break purposely for that trip? Yes, I did. I took a pump break that time for about seven months just because I had had so many issues with infusion sets. I think I had 20 out of 30 that just didn't work and it was driving me nuts. And I figured, you know what? I'm feeling lousy. I need to just get this back under control, switched over to, I think I was doing Traceba and I was doing... Novolog and then just did that for seven months. And then ironically, I thought, oh, control IQ is coming out. Let's switch back to the pump. And then I didn't even end up using control IQ because I just didn't love the system, which is how did you switch back? Because that's uh, the tandem pump, right? How do, how yes. are you able to switch back? Because that happened to me. And I was like, well, I'm screwed now because I can't go back. Why couldn't you go back? Once it, I, I remember I set it up and then I don't know why I couldn't revert to the old version. It like wouldn't let me. Oh, with Control IQ. Yeah. Once I once I downloaded Control IQ, I couldn't Basil IQ was no longer accessible because I liked Basil IQ. And then I just worked in manual mode until I got a new pump. And then I asked for Basil IQ again and they gave it to me, which was great. 
so oh yeah i love i still love basil iq except for some of the rebounds that drive me nuts but overnight it's amazing if you're trending down instead of going to 50 you're gonna you know stay at 75 which is what we want as people with diabetes so i love that but i I wish they gave an option to go either way where you can go let's go basal iq or control iq whatever fits your care needs better yeah so you're still not using control iq no i'm still on good old basal iq (laughs) why did you hate it I wouldn't go so far as to say as I hate it. I just, I think it has limitations that drove me nuts because, and part of it's my own impatience, right? Because you have to give it, I think, three to four weeks to be able to adjust to you and what your settings are because the insulin on board time is five hours. The the stoppages of the insulin, which still is the same as basal IQ, that sometimes would be a little over aggressive, but then it would sometimes dose right when I dosed. So I'm thinking, great, that's cool. Now I just got double corrections. Now I'm going to fly down. The insulin's going to turn off. Then I'm going to ping pong back up. And I think I averaged like 180 for five days. And I'm thinking, I could do so much better without this. I don't want to wait this whole month to figure it out. And that's my own impatience. You know, a lot of people, they love it. It's amazing. I have tons of patients that are just absolutely, you know, enamored with it. And I think it's amazing if you work within the limitations at that point in time, coming off of the injections, which were fine, and having the control I had, and then going to something where I went to now averaging 180, I felt so lousy. I just didn't have the patience and I didn't feel like dealing with it. And then also, COVID was just brand new and novel. And I'm like, great, the last thing I want to worry about is having ping-ponging blood sugars while there's a world pandemic going on. So it was, it just, it wasn't the right season. And then I figure at this point, if I can just run it with basal IQ, at least I know it. I like it. I also, it drove me nuts, the extended bolus situation, because you were limited in the time frame. And I use extended boluses all the time for the high fat, high protein meals, but it limits you to two hours. And I would need three, four, five hours, and it wouldn't let me do that. And I would go nuts. So that was the biggest detractor for me, in addition to the five hour insulin on board. So the corrections were super, super, super conservative. But I've heard whispers of things that might be coming in the future. So maybe they'll have a 2.0 and maybe at that point, you know, worth looking, but it's just, that's just kind of where I'm at. But in terms of, you know, the control, I think it's great for some people. I think a lot of people could benefit from it relative to, you know, doing it just on their own. But at the same time, there's limitations that have to be considered. Yeah, I totally agree. I wish too, with the pump, like there was some way to know if you had a bent cannula. Oh, yes. Like there's an alarm for everything. Why can't they just like have some sort of alarm on impact when it hits your skin? (laughs) I used to want something where it would like, and again, I'm sure there's a way to do it. And if someone takes this idea, you're welcome. But something where when you (laughs) insert the, you know, the, the catheter, it either turns green or it turns red. And red would mean there's a, maybe red's not the right color because that's the color of blood, right? But maybe it's, you know blue or something and you know that one color means there's a problem and one color means that you're good and it just shows up and it says great you're good or oh it's on an angle that's farther than this amount then you know there's a problem you should probably yank it i know for me if the site hurts like hell then it's usually going to be bleeding and i rip them out and almost every single time just geyser coming out of the side of my body so then that's my that's my way of measuring it half the time but other times it seems fine and then your blood sugar goes up and you take it out and it's on a 30 degree angle and cool. This wasn't meant to be a 30 degree site. Yeah. 
So you're still using the Tandem Pump and Dexcom, right? Tandem, Dexcom. I would say for life, but I feel like, you know, the technology is changing every five seconds that who knows. And I've heard the G7, you know, everybody's excited about the G7 coming and I'm thinking, hey, I'm, I'm excited for it to finally show up because I've only been talking about it for three years, but I'm excited that everything seems like it's going to get a lot better and also that the device is smaller and self-contained. Yeah. No, I'm excited about that too. And um, my so when I got to Costa Rica, my pump, like the T button doesn't work. So I can't I can only turn it on if I plug it into the wall. So I've just been using it for like my basal and then I've been using injections for everything else, which really sucks. But wow. <laughs> yeah. So you can't change anything. No, I, I can't like do anything on my pump. I just I was like, I could I have Lantis. So I was like, I could just switch to Lantis. But do you find that it takes your body a bit to get used to like switching? Yeah. So I was like, oh, I don't really want to deal with that. So I'll just keep the pump on to give me that basal. But I can't like give I can't bolus with it or anything. That's And they can't fix it or do anything about it. No, they were, yeah, they walked me through like tech support, helped me. And they were like, yeah, we're going to have to send you a new one. But my pump's out of warranty and it was like the end of, or it was the beginning of December. And I was like, uh, I'll just wait till January to get a new pump because then it's like goes towards my deductible, right? But now it's January. Yeah. So I can get one now. <laughs> it's time. Get on the yeah. phone. No, I'm just kidding. Right yeah. when we're done here, call them up. Hey, where's my pump at? I know. Yeah. Well, and then they they'll, won't be able to ship it here necessarily. So I'll just get it when I go back to the States at some point. Well, when's that going to happen? I don't know. I have no, I have no idea right now. <laughs> you have no reason to go anywhere. You literally live in like the best place in the world during this time of year. Also, everyone should be coming to you. Yeah. Right. You know. Well, so how, tell me about Florida. Like how is Florida right now? I mean, it's like, 75 and sunny and nice which is how we like it yeah. it got down christmas day got to 30 which was wild wow. which never happens but then there were parts of florida that got snow which i thought was hilarious and we didn't thankfully but then you know it went back up to where it should be but that was when everywhere else in the country was like negative six so i figured we were probably okay is that normal for florida no. Usually like two times, maybe three times a year. Like you can count on one one hand the number of times where you'll get into the 32-ish degrees if we're talking Fahrenheit. And then it just goes away. It goes back to normal again. There was one time I remember it was like 28 because Snapchat told me it was 28. Oh my God. Which is a very reliable so, you, source. Yeah, right. <laughs> you didn't get hit super strong by the hurricane, right? Because I remember texting you and you guys were traveling and it didn't get oh, you. No, thankfully it was like a hundred miles south. So we ended up driving past a bunch of the aftermath about a month later and it did not look very nice. But gratefully for us, because it hit south, we were okay. Although my butt was out of the state because I wasn't going to leave anything to chance based on what the radar had shown. So that was, that was, talk about a diabetes teaching opportunity or lesson 101, high stress, get the hell out of like out of Dodge as fast as you can. And then on top of that, packing up half of your life into a car, hoping it was there and then just taking off with making sure you have all your diabetes stuff. I think I packed three months of stuff and just was like, well, hopefully everything's okay. And three months will at least get me to, at that point, it would have been the end of the year. So I should be fine. But wow, I'm so grateful it didn't get us. 
Yeah, where did you guys drive to? And it was just me. Just- oh, really? Yeah, Amelia, Amelia had to be at the too. hospital. She had to stay at the hospital because she was on the hurricane team. So I had to take a freshly neutered dog who was wearing a cone around his neck still, put him in the back with like anything that we could possibly take that was remotely important that was all packed up like ASAP, threw it into the car and just started driving north. I ended up in Charlotte roughly because I had some friends that were up there and they're like, yeah, you could absolutely stay with us. And you know, you always wonder if people are actually serious, like, oh, they just say it to sound good. And then you actually say you're going to show up and they're like, oh, snap. But they were super <laughs> chill. It was just, you know, everything was just continuing life as normal. Still, you know, working with patients, still doing all that. I just told everyone, hey, I'm evacuating a hurricane. So, you know, if I don't respond to you right away, just please understand and we'll be fine. But diabetes wise, there was so much stress on that drive that my number just sat at like 165, didn't move at all until I got to Charlotte, got out of the car, settled down a little bit, and then it just straight dropped because there was so much stress. I mean, it was fine. Like I ended up at like 65, but it was just plummet because all that stress was just leaking out all that extra glucose. And my number just hovered there. I corrected nothing, corrected an hour and a half later, nothing, corrected another two hours later, nothing. Moment I was done driving, just bottom fell out. Isn't that so interesting how stress affects the body like like that? Oh, it's it's people underestimate stress. And a lot of times when they're like, oh, my blood sugar is really high and I don't know why. And I ask, oh, are you really stressed right now? A lot of times people are like, you know what? Yeah, my stress is extra high. And I'm like, okay, compared to, you know, one to 10 with five being average, one being like none and 10 being crazy, it's always seven, eight, nine, 10. And they're like, yeah, you know, I am super stressed. The moment your subconscious chills out, blood sugar start to drift right back to where they have to be. But if you tell yourself, oh, I'm not stressed, you're full of it. Usually your subconscious is the one that dictates it. We're going way yeah, deep that's right so, now. <laughs> right? That's, no, that's so interesting too because I like, you know, I don't, I don't feel stressed, but then when I'm sleeping, my numbers are always perfect. But then like as soon as I'm up and just like my day, I'm like sitting, working, it's like they just start to creep up a bit, right? So even maybe I'm a bit stressed. <laughs> well, it, it could be that. I mean, there's, there's a million reasons, right? It could be, you know, is the basal off? Is your liver dumping glucose? You know, there's a million different reasons. But a lot of times if you're stressed, like if you're – when you're in school, you're taking a test, right? You know, something like that. Or even like yesterday, ironically, I'm, I'm, this is actually hilarious. Ready for this. So I took the, 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 what's now called what certified diabetes care and education specialist. So the CDCES used to be just the CDE, the certified diabetes educator. I took that exam yesterday. My blood sugar during the whole test was like 130, 140. It was chilling. Turn on the Vikings game. The Vikings start just absolutely, you know, eating it. And my number starts going up for no reason. I went up to like 205 and I just sat there for the entire game. The game ends and my number comes right back down. How funny, hey? It's all (laughs) relative with what stress, you know, what it does and how it impacts you. And ultimately it hits everybody a little different, but people have to be aware because you can do everything for high blood sugars in the book and it's not going to do anything. Yeah. Except unless you chill. The body's so crazy. <laughs> it's so, it's, it, people just, I don't know. There's like, what, there's 40 something things that impact your blood sugar, but stress is the one that I feel like it's talked about probably amongst the least. People are, oh, did you mm-hmm. exercise? Did you eat this? What about this or that? And I'm like, are you stressed? Because that will do so much more. I mean, you could eat the same meal two days in a row. One day you're stressed and one day you're not. And one day your number's great after. And one day your number's like 190 for no reason. 
So yeah. And even you make a good point there too, with like even just exercise too, right? It's like different kinds of stress. <laughs> well, right. And I mean, exercise, your body sees as what is good stress, right? For to make it a yeah. simple term. But the other thing that's interesting with exercise, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this when you're like super, 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 super stressed, something's going on in your life and you start exercising and then the stress you notice goes away and then your number starts to come down. But part of that, I think, is because you're so present in that moment, in that workout, mm. that your brain can't comprehend the stress that's pulling on the other parts of your brain. It's just straight up, hey, I'm, you know, I'm so focused on, you know, this sprint or this lift or whatever that I don't have room to focus on anything else. And then as a result, your number starts to fix itself. And then, of course, when you're done and you get back to stressed again, then your number just goes right back to where it was again. That's so interesting. I'm going to pay attention to that because I haven't like put those two together, but that makes sense because it, it is like when you're in the moment and you're not thinking about everything you have to do, that that would affect you in that way. <laughs> and it's wild. Like, and I feel bad because sometimes it's, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, okay, like I need to figure this out. But of course, you know, the more you resist it, the more that it just happens. And so you're like, I got to get on stress. I got to chill. I got to chill. Well, the more you're trying to chill, the less you end up chilling. So yeah. When you just truly, I don't know, I tell people and it sounds all hokey, right? But I tell people like the whole meditation side of things and just sitting there and being present, doing that alone. I remember in grad school, many, many, many times where my number would be higher, I would meditate and then my number would just drift right back to where it should have been because I was finally chilled out a little bit. That's a really good point. Do you still meditate? Oh, yeah. Every day. Yeah. At least five. Every well, day? Usually like five minutes a day. I wouldn't go every day. Like if we had a account I probably meditate like six out of every seven but do you listen to like a meditation thing or do you put yourself through it I just do it myself because I, I used to do a track and you like you know you lay on the couch and you hang out and it's great but then if you don't have the track you don't know what to do so I'd rather have yeah. it where you know I just I just sit somewhere and it doesn't have to be a dark room just sit somewhere close my eyes and just focus only on the breathing and you know if I notice stuff around me I just let it kind of do its thing and mm -hmm. then at that point after I set a timer, I usually set like five, eight minutes, something like that. Nothing crazy. People are like, oh, I have to meditate. It's so hard. I'm like, it's hard. But if you just set aside five minutes, you'll get better at it. And it yeah. eventually becomes really, really therapeutic. And then, you know, your mind's clear. Sometimes things come up that you should have thought about, or maybe it was on, you know, the tip of your brain the other day. And you're like, I need to think of this thing, but I can't think of it. And it pops up while you're meditating. That clarity, I feel like is so helpful. And then of course, the blood sugars, obviously it can have a positive impact on those as well. So if it's five minutes a day, why not? Yeah. Do you do, do you start your day off with that? I usually do yeah. just to help with the clarity. And sometimes, like I said, like things will pop up that I should have already had on my to-do list, but I didn't actually do them yet. Or I didn't think about them until that moment. And I'm like, oh yeah. So then when I know when I'm done, I'll pull out, you know, my to-do list, enter it in. And now I'm good. But at the end of the day, I just... I feel like it's something that really just helps with clearing my brain and not overwhelming because it's so easy to just get zero to a hundred. You wake up and now you're already a hundred miles an hour and then your brain never gets a chance to actually adjust to the day. Yeah. That's such an important tip. And yeah, something that, I mean, I don't meditate every day, but I probably should. <laughs> you are in like the medit, you're like where they make meditation videos. Like, yeah, yeah like well, you know, it's fun <laughs> funny. My mom's husband he teaches meditation. So they like moved down here specifically to have meditation retreats. So that's amazing. I want to do one of those. That sounds like fun. 
I know, right? <laughs> you, I would say Amelia will be like, I'm going to hang out with Taja and then I'm going to let Ben go on this retreat because, yeah. But no, like, I, I feel like you are in like the perfect environment to do it. And everyone thinks it's really hard to do it. But I feel like if you pick, you know, a bookend of your day, right? You pick the start or you pick the end of the day. Those are the two areas that you can really control most of your schedule. And then everything in the middle, you know, if you're like, oh, I'm going to meditate at four. Well, what if you have to, you know, I don't know, eat a snack or you have to do something else or someone calls you, you might not get a chance to. But if it's the first thing you do in the morning, you know, you're going to do it. So that's yeah. that's what I like to suggest to people when it's like something like meditation or it's, you know, it's the new year. So people are setting all their resolutions now or they've set them and they hope to actually do them you know, pick something that's not going to be massive out of the gate, make it a small little goal. And then from there, okay, when can I do this? And I know I can consistently do it every single day, whether it's reading a book, you know, 10 pages a day, or, you know, meditating for five minutes, or, Hey, I'm going to do a walk before my day starts to clear my head, whatever it is, something small, tangible and measurable. And you're usually golden. Yeah. That's a really good info. What does your day look like? Like you, okay. So you get up, you meditate, then do you work out or do you start your day and work out after? Always work out. Yeah. Well, not always, except for the days that I, I don't. But, you know, I, the, all of, I'm thinking too, and you've mentioned the workouts, like all the people, like I'll occasionally do yoga videos and stuff just to attempt to become more flexible. And they're mm -hmm. all where you are. They're all like, hi, I'm here in sunny Costa Rica. And I'm here to take you through whatever, <laughs> I don't know, whatever the name of the video is. But it's just hilarious. I'm like, you are literally at the epicenter of everything, you know meditation, spirituality, yoga, all of that mind body connection is where you are. So I'm like, it should just be emanating from you. Yeah. So, but I, I digress for, yeah, my days probably everyone's like, Oh, what do you do? It's like, it's, it's exciting, but it tends to be a lot of, you know, work out, eat food, work with people on their blood sugars, make sure they're in a good spot, you know, make sure that our, the dietitians on the team are doing a lot of good stuff and making sure that they're providing the top info so we can be, you know, the the best of the best in the diabetes dietitian world because I want to make sure people are getting the best outcomes. And then, you know, learning more of the new research that's coming out, watching the new technology, lots of patient care. How can we serve people better? And then, you know, of course, from there, making fun videos to educate more on different platforms. And I don't want to say rinse and repeat, but then, you know, hopefully spend some quality time with Amelia and, and the dog, which mm -hmm. is a newer ish addition to the family, but he now sniffs blood sugar. So that's cool. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. I want to talk to you about that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and that's, that's pretty much it though, is, you know, ultimately how can we serve people with diabetes better? Like recently we were able to start taking a bunch of the major insurance plans to increase access. So it's really how can we serve people better so they can have the blood sugars they want. They can, you know, eat the foods that they have dreamed of eating with good blood sugars and then want to lose weight or want to get strong or whatever that other goal is, making sure we take care of that at the same time too. That's so awesome. And I remember like, when was it? Like 2019, 2018, when we connected in California? 2019. I remember like, okay. And like that year you were doing like your coaching people, there was the blood sugar boss. Was that 2019? That was 2020, and I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then you were doing like just a bunch of different like stuff in the fitness and blood sugar space. But now it sounds like your business has 
like like just grown and you have dietitians on the team, you're taking insurance. So like, tell me about your business. I want to know everything about it. <laughs> All of the things. I, I mean, I think the biggest thing is I have this really giant goal, right? I want to help over a million people living with diabetes on their blood sugars so they can do the things that everyone says that they can't do. Because I'm sure you've been told a million times, oh, you can't have this food. Oh, you can't, you know, lift this amount of weight. You can't do blank. Whatever that blank is, you know, is personal to every person. And I'm out here thinking, no, like I want to do all these things. And so I figured, you know, initially, hey, I'm going to do this. I'll be the one doing the teaching. I'll be the one working with people. And then eventually I realized a million people is a lot of people. And I I like to think I did a lot in that first, you know, when I we hung out in California, shoo, that was three and a half years ago. That's wild. But, you know, back then I'm like, hey, I, I worked with a solid amount of people, but to be able to reach that million, I can't just do it all by myself. So I started thinking, okay, every person on the team lives with diabetes themselves. They are registered dietitian. They've got an exercise background because I feel like people tend to miss the boat on exercise all the time. And then realizing, you know, hey, how can we increase access to people? You know, how can we bring in health insurance for, you know, certain insurance companies and certain plans to make sure that people can still get the care that they deserve instead of going to, you know, their endo every three months, getting the same old spiel and being rushed in and out in 10 minutes after waiting for 90 minutes to see the endo, getting their prescriptions and being like, cool, I don't know what to do from here. So Mm -hmm. it's really been a lot of focus on how can we make the patient experience great? How can we show up every single day to really help these people and give them the info that they need? And then how can we get, you know, the best outcomes where I, I, you know, from a a adherence perspective, when the people who work with us, you know, adhere and they listen, I I think the average A1C that when people are done is like 6-1, like it's something wild but the goal is you know how can we make sure that the the outcomes are good but then also say you know hey i want to go crush some barbecue how can i do that and still keep my number happy so it's it's really been a lot of hey let's focus on the stuff that really matters back when you were mentioning stuff there was like a fitness challenge i did and like little coaching stuff here and there and i realized that you know i i just wanted to make it a little more simple instead of you know having eighty thousand different things that were going on that i was trying to balance so this seems to be the the way for right now but you know, who knows? I want to still be able to reach that million and we've still got a lot of people to go. So I'm optimistic. I feel like it's it's a new year. It's going to be a lot more people that are getting helped. And I'm just excited to be able to do that. That's so exciting and so amazing. And it sounds like you're like, it's almost like you're, you're filling that missing link that like the, the uh, endocrinology, like when you go into your endocrinologist and you see the nutritionist and it's like that team, like you're the missing link that like, like gives them the information to actually build that foundation so that they don't have that confusion or they actually like see success. Right. And they, it's like, you know, when you go to the endo and they're like, I don't know if this has happened to you, but they'll give you, maybe this is back in the day when they would be like, this is the the list of the high glycemic foods that you should avoid. And you should like, you know, all of that information. And it's like, you're that, that piece that's like, no, you can still enjoy this food, but this, this is how you can do it. <laughs> right. Am I right? Well, yeah. Well, and that's the thing yeah. is like you said, it was so limited, like growing up, it would be, you can't do these things. Or I'd, I'd ask about playing baseball and other sports and they would the dietitian I had, and I mean, she was, she was great, honestly, compared to most, she would go research, you know, Hey, what's the caloric need for, you know, someone who's 15 years old, who's playing two sports and all that. And that was a head and shoulders above most of the other people. They would just say, Oh no, you can't do that. Sorry. 
But this one was, you know, hey, you probably need to be eating this much food and, you know, maybe focus on your protein or whatever it might have been the basic stuff you tell, you know, a teen. But with diabetes, it was always, oh, we don't know. I did a bodybuilding show when I was in college. It was almost wow, 10 years ago. But I remember the, the person who was helping everyone prep just say, oh, well, you have diabetes. So sorry, I don't know what to do to tell you. So you're on your own, kid. And I'm like, cool. You know, so I had to figure it out. And I did well. I took second, which was fine. But at the same time, it was no one could ever fill that need. And at the endo clinic, no one could ever talk to exercise. So I'm like, I should probably fill that void. Well, now it becomes, okay, I'm only one person who can do so much. So now how can I get, you know, a team of other people who are very similar, but live with it themselves. So we get, you know, the 3 a.m. Oh my God, I want to eat the whole fridge because I'm 57 blood sugars, you know, but also understand that I'm 247 and I have no idea why, oh, my pump fell out, you know, that as well. So they get it personally, mm -hmm. they get it professionally because they have the credentialing and they get, you know, the exercise. We're kind of building that gap. And once we fill that gap, then, you know, that's why we're able to, to be successful with people. And the people that come to us say, we want to work because we want to get these, you know, outcomes so we can enjoy more time with our families. We can eat these amazing foods. We don't have to worry about missing moments of life because of diabetes. So that's what you're doing is such an important thing. And I don't know anyone else who's doing what you're doing because I don't know a lot of people who are professional dietitians who are like filling that gap. So it's so needed. Um, and it makes it there. When I was in LA before I came back to Costa Rica, my Uber driver was telling me about his wife who was just diagnosed with type one. And he was like, yeah, like I take the kids to McDonald's, but I do it behind her back because the doctor said like she can't eat McDonald's and we have to like, you know, keep foods away from her and it's just really hard. And it just makes me think like what you're doing is helping so many people. Like there's so many people out there probably in that exact same position, which is so crazy to think that that information is being given to people. Well, and, and even with that, like growing up, like I remember, oh, you can't have birthday cake. You know, you're nine mm -hmm. years old. You can't have the birthday cake. You can't have the pizza. You have to order something different. And it would just get really old. And that's as a kid, the adult resources definitely aren't any better. It's like what you said before. Here's a packet of information that you should A, read through and B, understand all of it and C, it's not even useful because it's from 25, 30 years ago. So it just becomes this archaic message that keeps getting spread. And so I figure, hey, let's take the research that's coming out. Let's take the best methods that are, you know, applicable for diabetes. And let's make sure that people get the info that they need. And also, you know, concurrently address some of the people that want to lose the weight, because that I feel like it's such a taboo topic these days, that people are like, Oh, I want to lose weight, but they feel like they're not allowed to say anything. So why not fix mm -hmm. the weight and the blood sugars at the same time? That's a double win. And, you know, and get people on that lifestyle, whether it's, you know, hey, I'm eating better, I'm exercising more, my blood sugars are on point. And I also can, you know, periodically know how to indulge properly in those, you know, special occasion types of foods and not feel like I'm forsaking anything within life. I bet that's like a huge weight that that's lifted off of people when they, you know, finally reach where they want to be working with you, just knowing that they don't have to worry about that. When they, when they get there, it's, there's nothing more glorious. Like I honestly, like the, the moment I will see like a graph or someone will tell me, Hey, I just ate fill in the blank of something crazy that you would think that, you know, air quotes should not be consumed. And then this is my blood sugar graph. And they're like chilling at 100 to 110 the entire time. I'm like, that is why I do this because I'm like, this can be done. And I emphasize 
don't do that all the time. You know, don't go eat pieces of Oreo cheesecake or crazy nachos or weird stuff every single day. But if you, you know, plan the correct way for it, you fit it into your nutrition goals and you know what you're doing, you can still participate and things will be just fine. So that's, yeah. that's the important thing I think is I don't want people to take it out of context of, oh, Ben eats all this wild stuff every day. Oh, I definitely don't. <laughs> I definitely do not. Amelia can attest. I eat, I don't say boring, but you know, I eat fairly standard of what you'd probably expect. And then a couple times a week, maybe once or twice, I'll say, hey, let's, you know, have extra fun, but I'm prepping ahead of time to make sure my insulin sensitivity is good. And, you know, the, everything's counted up correctly and I'm, I'm paying extra attention to ensure that that can be done successfully. Do you think there's like, cause I'm sure, I'm sure there's multiple things in different areas that you work with one individual so that they are set up to feel confident in eating whatever foods they want and not like dealing with the, <laughs> the high blood sugar or whatever after the roller coaster but is there one key piece that like would help someone listening if they're like I don't I feel so lost with my diet (laughs) I would say I'd say there's obviously you know like 18 different directions to take this this question but I think the biggest thing that people ask me is I'll you know I'll post something like I'll post a dessert that I ate or I'll post something else and they'll say how much did you dose for that and I'll respond and I'll say it's irrelevant what I dosed. I could have dosed 17 units. I could have dosed seven units. I could have dosed 0.7 of a unit. But the amount I dosed isn't relevant to everybody else. What's relevant is how the food was assessed. So, you know, how many carbs were in this? How much fat was in this? How much protein was in this? If you can nail that skill and you can, you know, get really good at saying, hey, I'm going to go look at whatever food's put in front of me or whatever I pick on the menu and say, hey, I'm going to break it down piece by piece until I figure out what it is. If you can get good at that and then you know your ratios are on point, nothing will stop you. If you have the strategy for dosing, you know your ratios are on point and you can assess any sort of food, world's your oyster. So people are like, oh, I need to work on carb counting. The carbs are important. The protein and fat are just as important. But with this, if you tell me you sit down, you look at something, hey, this is 47 grams. Here's how I broke it down. You can do that every time. You're gold. That's awesome. And that's exactly what you teach people, right? 100%. Is literally, hey- What do you want off the menu here? Oh, I picked this thing. Great. Let's break it down piece by piece. Now you know exactly what it is. I I have a bunch of videos on on YouTube about this kind of stuff where I'll sit down at a crazy meal and say, here's what's in everything. Here's how I broke it down. And then, you know, from that point, great. Now you have the first step. Then do you factor in fat and protein? Then having the strategy with that. And of course, ensuring ratios are on point and, and, um, you know, blood sugar controls there. It's your gold. You're absolutely gold. But the biggest key is knowing how to assess that food. Okay. I'm going to link to your YouTube in the show notes so people can look at it. Um, Do you know – okay, so I was actually going to ask my endocrinologist this because you know how when we correct for a high, there's like a certain amount that we correct for. But do you know like when you correct for a low, like how many grams of car – like I don't even know how to put this question, but like if you're dropping at a certain rate, I I was always wondering like, is there a certain amount that you are supposed to eat in order to like level out how fast you're dropping? Does that make sense? Ooh, that's a good question. It's like, it feels yeah. like, what is it? It's like physics, right? Where it's like, this is dropping at this velocity and how can I ensure that I'm not going to continue falling faster? Yes. Because my endo, she said, so like, this is probably just my personal correction, but if I'm going up, 
I like on my Dexcom, if I have double arrows up, I will add 50 milligrams per deciliter to the number that I am. But I'm like, if I'm going down, how fast am I dropping and how many carbs do I need? <laughs> well, and it's, it's interesting she said that with the 50 because as yeah. I'm sure you know, but in case someone, you know, listening doesn't, any CGM is delayed by at least 15 minutes. So mm-hmm. the trend is great, but if it says, oh, I'm 127, you might very well be, you know, 90 or you might very well be 165. You just don't realize it. So especially yeah. if there's an arrow either way. So I don't know if I necessarily could give you a number that would put the brakes on if you're like, you know, a blanket answer of, oh, I'm, you know, 98 double arrows down. How much should I take? But what I would say is you're probably lower than you think. So at that point, I would say, you know, finger stick. Okay, now you're, you know, 68. Cool. At that point, you know, to flatten it out, I tell people minimum viable carbs. So if you can take, you know, 12 grams and flatten it. Once the CGM flattens, you're not drop. Obviously, you're not dropping anymore. But more importantly, once it flattens out, it's probably going to take its sweet time and start, you know, trending up a little bit. So at that point, you know, maybe you're adding little bits here and there. The book that I, you know, studied from for this diabetes educator exam would tell you that you need 15 to 20 grams. And if you're under 50, you need uh, 20 to 30 grams. But wow, that's the recommendations. Honestly, most lows, you don't actually need 15 grams. A lot of them you need less. How many grams do you take generally for a low that's below 50? Below 50. God, I don't like being below 50. Or 50. Let's say 50. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I mean, I really try to wait stuff out. If I'm 50 and I know I'm eating candy corn, you know, I might take 17, 15, whatever number of candy corn pieces equals about that. It really depends Mm -hmm. on how many I take out of the bag. So if one piece of candy corn is like 1.3, like, oh, I might have taken eight instead of seven or whatever the math is, right? Um, But I'll usually try to wait it out and then see, okay, you know, it's been 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Is my number still dropping? No. Do I feel horrible? No. Okay. Let's let it ride. Cause remember on the pump, it's going to also turn my basal off. So if I do too much, mm-hmm. I'm going to go flying up the other way. And that, that loves to happen. That's my biggest beef with the, you know, the automated systems. Oh, let's turn off your insulin. And then now you've corrected a low the way you normally would. And now you're on a rocket ship going the other way. Yeah. That so happens to me too. <laughs> that's the worst thing I think. But at the same time, you know, if you're a little more conservative, hey, the pump's been off for 35 minutes. Keep that into account as well. So you're not going to overdo it and end up flying high. So mm-hmm. we're just dropping dimes yeah, here. I love this. It's such a balancing scale. Like every like it's like the patience and it's such a dance, right? Like it's an it art and a science. Mm-hmm. It's literally an art and a science. And I think I saw some meme somewhere where it was like it's the only condition where like the patients administering the drug and making changes all the time, you know, and to keep themselves yeah. in motion. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's kind of legit. It's not just like, oh, you know, I have, I don't know, whatever it is. Let me take this, you know, oral medication and I'm done. You know, that would be great, but not quite the situation. Yeah. It's an art and a science and it's probably slightly different for every person, right? Oh, it's, it's even... definitely different for every person. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh my it's God individual thing even even intra individual right so within the same person it's totally different like if you get someone mm-hmm. who's doing a like i guess cuz again it's it's early part of the year so everybody has you know i want to lose 20 pounds or whatever you get someone who's on their weight loss phase of their you know 20 pound goal you get someone at that point versus someone who's not in a weight loss phase same person totally different 
totally different with how you yeah. respond and what's going to happen and what adjustments you have to make. And that's why it can seem so daunting because if you're low every five seconds, you're eating back all the calories. Well, now you're not losing weight. You're frustrated. And then you stop because you had to make adjustments to be able to successfully drop that weight. Yeah, I know. It's, it's such a, it's so, so many like little pieces. Would you say most of your clients and the people that come to you want to lose weight or do you have like a mixed bag of people wanting to gain weight, build muscle, even like compete? Do you have anyone competing? No one competing. I think I had one person a while back who was doing competition stuff and I got them to a point and I was like, you're good from here. Um, But beyond that, it tends to be blood sugars. I'd probably say two thirds of the people want to lose weight. Um, And then the other third, it might just be, hey, I'm just doing blood sugars. Otherwise I'm fine. Or I want to gain weight or I have an athletic goal that I want to do. Like I've worked with some, some people who play baseball, like division one baseball in college. Hey, you know, they want to achieve a certain outcome where they're playing their best on the field. Well, that's going to be a totally different situation than someone who wants to lose 25 pounds. But then, Mm -hmm. you know, there's some people who just say, Hey, my weight's fine. My body comp's fine. You know, I want to just, you know, get stronger, but I also want to figure out my food and figure out my blood sugars. I'm sick of bouncing. And there's some people that just want to get ready to, you know, have a baby. They want to get pregnant, but they need their blood sugars in a certain range. So there's a million different scenarios, but I would say for the most part, um, a lot of people want to lose weight, which obviously, you know, Hey, that's a thing that again, they don't talk with you about. They didn't even talk about it in dietitian school, go through all this dietitian school. They don't talk about weight loss. You know, it has mm-hmm. to come down to reading the science and going about it in a certain way. But again, it's it's really a mixed bag. But the one commonality is I would say 95% of people have diabetes that work with us. The other 5%, you know, maybe they have a thyroid situation or, you know, hypoglycemia or something else, but we'll still obviously work with them if we're able to help them. So Yeah, that's, yeah, and blood sugars is probably like such a huge thing. Well, now you have the people right. without diabetes. They're like, I'm going to monitor with a CGM and I don't even have diabetes. I'm like, bro, you're going to see nothing exciting for you. Oh my you God. You know what? Has Amelia ever worn your Dexcom? Way back in the day, she put one on. It was so long ago that it was a G5 and I was already on the G6. So I had like an extra G5 and I don't even know if it actually read. It might've still been calibrated to like my phone or something was off with it, but she had it like on her arm just for, you know, the heck of it. And it was interesting, but I don't think it did anything substantial. I probably should at some point just be like, Hey, you know, want to try, want to try this Dexcom just to see. But one of my friends one time, he's another dietitian. This was right before COVID hit. We got like chocolate chip pancakes somewhere. And we were like, oh, let's see what it does to his blood sugar, right? He gets a big old stack of pancakes. It's probably, I don't know, 100-ish, 110 grams of carbs. His blood sugar peaked at like 94. I'm like, come on, man. This isn't even fair, number one. (laughs) But number two, how is that going to be useful? You're eating 100 grams of carbs and your blood sugar goes up like 10 points? Cool. Like, how is that going to be useful for you? I'm not really sure, but needless to say... There's that whole debate of people saying, oh, blood sugar is the next thing. Yeah, it's so interesting. I I had Herman wear mine um, in the summertime, and I have a really big thing with rage bolusing. Like, I'm so impatient. And it put things into perspective for me because we would eat the same food. He would spike to like 160, 170, and he would come right back down. Whereas like, you know, if I didn't give myself enough, I would kind of – 
it would just take me way longer. But I was like, wow, I don't need to be rage bolusing seeing this like number <laughs> going up. <laughs> so it's it's wild. Like when someone without I'm shocked he got up to 170. I forget what we ate, but yeah. That's that's super interesting. Like super, super, super interesting. Cause I, I would love to see it more, but I really feel like unless you go out of your way to eat something obnoxious, you're probably not gonna see a massive change. Yeah. Yeah, probably not. Like maybe if I have an extra one and like it's on the last, you know, oh, this is the last session on this sensor or whatever, this transmitter, maybe I'll be like, hey, Amelia, you want to try a Dexcom? But at the same time, I feel like they're basically diabetes gold. So I'm kind of like, you don't have to worry about this. I'm just going to use it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, maybe when the G7 comes out, you know, suddenly it's like, oh, I have a bunch of G7s. Well, I have a couple G6s left over, you know, maybe at that point, but nah. It is like gold. And I've been, do you like restart yours after 10 days? I used to, but honestly, I'm lucky if I get 10 days out of one right now. Mm-hmm. So that's been a bigger issue. So I'm like, I'd love to even have a chance to restart them. But yeah, most of the time it's like limping to the finish. I think maybe one out of every three or definitely at least one out of every two actually makes it to the finish line. Yeah, that so, sucks. That's annoying. Yeah, because I'm sure you're probably reusing them all the time. I am. Yeah. I have so many like just I'm like, do these expire? Because if they do, then I'm screwed because I've been reusing them. You're fine, I'm sure. And I know like when when I used to reuse them, it would work for like another two, three days. But if you can get another three days out of a sensor, why not? Right. Like it adds up pretty quick. And suddenly, you know, you have an extra couple in the stash. And especially given, you know, where you are, I feel like that's an extra huge boost to the diabetes equipment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, are you, are you still good for time? I was going to say, I've got probably like three, four-ish minutes. Okay. Brother, do you want to, do you want to like talk about goals for the new year? Like for people who are wanting to get their blood sugars in check this year or lose weight, like, yeah. You lead and I'll just go with wherever you go. Okay. So, um, I mean, well, first, what are your goals for the new year? <laughs> My <laughs> goals are to successfully finish planning this wedding yeah, and yeah. make sure it goes good. Um, get Roscoe P to be officially like a legit service dog because he's close, but he's not quite there yet. Um, and serve at least a couple thousand people living with diabetes. I think it would be the big, you know, professional one, which I feel like is helpful. It's still getting towards the million people goal, but it's still not, you know, big enough yet. But I feel like a couple thousand is a solid, you know, next point to get to because the more people that can get served, the better people with diabetes are living. And, you know, hopefully the education reaches a lot more people. But I'd say that's a that's a pretty solid start, I would say, you know. Yeah. What are, you, what, are your, what are your thoughts? That's super solid. I love it. I'm excited for you. Um, my biggest goal this year is to just like have more of a sense of home because the last three years I've been bouncing around and I like just need some stability and just one place where I can be. <laughs> I mean, Florida is not. Yeah, too far. I'm still that's still like top on my list. Actually, I still haven't been there, but I'm probably going to let you know when we make a trip out there to check it out. Come visit. 
I was going to say, yeah. definitely let me, as long as you come to the correct coast, because my favorites, everyone's like, oh, I came to Florida. And I'm like, where are you? Oh, we're in Miami. I'm like, cool. You're still four hours away. No, so, I was looking at like the Sarasota area. So that would be a mere hour away from good old Trampa. So yeah, I'm all about yeah. that. That'd be amazing. Sarasota is beautiful. Cool. I'm going to have to check it out. Um, in terms of Mr. P., how are yes. you like you've just been teaching him yourself to sniff out your blood sugars, right? That is definitely an Amelia question. She should do a whole okay. episode just on that. Um, yeah. but no, she I mean it's it's been us teaching him how to do it. If you get a dog that's already trained, it's somewhere between like 10 and 20 grand. It's something wild. Yeah. But for us, I mean, she found a resource that's out there. I think it's a free thing called MD Dogs. And mm-hmm. she followed the protocol. It was like, you know, hey, get a, get low blood sugar samples. So I have to give saliva samples all the time. Mm-hmm you know, teach him how to paw at certain things and do certain cues. And now if he suspects that I'm low, he'll come up to me and start swatting me until I actually pay attention, which usually is pretty quick. And then I'll test and he's typically right, which is wild. So I love that. Um, I'm working with a woman right now who's like, it's basically the same stuff, right? Like you get saliva samples and then um, I, I guess, but you could probably do this where you don't, I think it, the, the service dog certificate thing is just like owner trained kind of thing, right? So that would be what would be on the paperwork is what the what I think. <laughs> I have not the slightest clue. I know that that's yeah. – and I, I defer to Amelia on that just because she knows all of the, you know, specific dog lingo and all that. I just kind of know, hey, I have to give these saliva samples and we have to work with them every day. But mm-hmm. he's getting there. He's definitely getting there. I mean, he can – he can do lows. He's actually kind of taught himself how to do highs. So if I break 180, he comes over to me and starts swatting me. And I'm like, all right. And I test and I'm like 186. And I'm like, cool. That's fun. Wow. So he taught himself how to do that. He knew something was off. So that's kind of wild to me. Yeah, they're so smart. It's really amazing. There is um, something else. I know. I'm excited to meet him one day. Yes. Well, when you come to Sarasota, you know, if it's only an hour away from good old Tampa. So you have to make your way up and hang out with good old Roscoe P. Totally. Maybe he'll smell your blood sugars right? too. When we evac- when I evacuated with him for that hurricane. Um, my my friend I was staying with, she sometimes has hypoglycemia and he came up to her and just started whacking her. Obviously we didn't test, but she was like, yeah, I definitely felt symptoms. I'm like, I mean, he's, he's smart. He's good. Yeah. That's so, that's amazing. Um, okay. So, before we wrap up, um, one tip that you can give someone who like is coming into the new year and they're like, I want to just get my blood sugars more stabilized so that I can eat the foods that I want and not like stress. And one tip for like someone who wants to lose weight or yeah, let's just use weight loss. I would say if it's, if weight loss is the, is the target, if we start with that one, I would say make sure you have your blood sugar straightened out first, because otherwise you're going to constantly be chasing lows, which then, you know, you have to eat to fix that. That ruins, you know, the the calorie deficit and that makes it harder to keep the weight off and even lose it in the first place. But I would say, you know, someone's like, Hey, and I really just want to get my numbers under wraps for good. Of course, you know, outside of saying, you know, Hey, you know, we're here as a resource to be able to help you. I'd say just initially start really small don't look at, you know, three months from now or six months from now, look at the next, you know, week and say, okay, what can I do that I know is going to help my blood sugar and it's going to work for the next week. And then after that week, you know, you, you can break it into two days if you want, you know, Hey, I did this for two days. How did it go? 
oh, I successfully did it. Great. Now do it for two more days. Just do it for like, you know, two more days, just two more days. And suddenly it adds up over time. And suddenly you've done this thing that you didn't expect to do before that's now working versus, oh, I'm looking at the six month goal. It's really scary. And then you get overwhelmed. You don't do anything. Keep it small. Little bite-sized things are going to always go better than anything else. That's such a good tip. And would you say that like little things could be like sleep or like even just the stress that we were talking about in the beginning, like little 100%. things like that? Med- wow. Meditate for five minutes a day, you know, oh, I'm going to peep my numbers once a week on the clarity report that comes in my email. You know, maybe it's, hey, I'm going to, I don't know, I'm going to have a, I'm going to swap out the chips at my lunch for something else that might not spike my number as much. Little stuff like that, you're, those little things add up faster than you think. Love it. That's golden. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and just, it's so nice to catch up with you and like see your face. <laughs> I was to say, it's always, it's always, 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 always a pleasure. And I'm always excited to get to chat with you and talk about life and be this and everything in between. So no, I'm super hyped yeah. we got to do this. All right. So what is your biggest takeaway from this episode today? Did you learn something? Are you feeling inspired right now? Because I 100% am. Once again, if you are interested in learning more about Ben and how to work with Ben, just go to yourdiabetesinsider.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I will see you same time next week. Bye for now.